We're going to take an uh, audience quiz here. Um, think back to uh, 2015. Uh, in 2015, when you turned on the news or you listened to the radio or you read the paper or you read articles, would you say you got more bad news or good news? What would you say? Bad news. Did I get any good news people here? It was mainly bad news. And if you thought about bad news, would you say there was a lot of bad news or a little bad news? A lot of bad news. Well, aren't you glad you came here today? Uh, you say, thank you for reminding me of all the bad news that's out there. Well, we're going against the grain today. This is a service that is going to overflow you a tsunami wave of good news, okay? And uh, so when this service, you need to sit here, you need to soak it in, you need to write it down, take this in because this is good news about what God is doing in our world. And a lot of this good news is what God is doing through this fellowship right here, Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Today, the uh, title of our sermon is uh, Celebration, Continuation, and Preparation. And uh, the first part of it is celebration. And what we'll be doing today is we are going to celebrate the conclusion of a huge emphasis that we've had in our church for the last five years, and that is Touch the World 2015. Touch the World 2015. And uh, as we get ready to go in to that particular discussion, because since we ended in 2015, I look back and said, you know, we need to really let people know what happened with Touch the World 2015. And uh, let me give you a passage of scripture that, that I'm using that's kind of guiding me as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. It says that on the following day, Paul went in with us, that's uh, Luke and all those uh, folks with him, to James and all the elders of the church there in Jerusalem, they were present. And after greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. What Paul did was he sat down and he says, let me just tell you through my missionary journeys what God has done, and he related them one by one. So today, we want to start out by celebrating about what God has done five years. I stood before you five years ago, and I shared with you this vision, this Touch the World 2015. We had just come off of, of the 2010 vision, and we stood before and said, what do we want to do in the next five years? And this is pretty much what I shared. What I shared is that as we go and touch the world in 2015, we are going to really do more of a uh, rifle approach. We had a shotgun approach in 2010. We're going to do a rifle approach, and this is it. First of all, we were going to identify 20 partners in five continents. As we identify these 20 partners in five continents, evangelism is one of the things that we want to do. In fact, we're going to have two pillars. There's evangelism and there's compassionate justice. And on evangelism, we want to do church planting. Church planting here in the United States, church planting around the world. Not only are we going to help church plants, but we're also going to assist them by sending our, our, our Builders for Christ teams and construction people to go and help out. Church planting, pastor training, 
helping to train pastors, not only here, but also around the world. For about the last four years, we've gone to the Middle East, and we've been training pastors there in the Middle East. We have other members of our church that have been on teams that have gone out all around the world training pastors. Second is, third is business development. We have some businessmen from our church that get together and they will go out to places and meet with others who are aspiring entrepreneurs and teach them business principles to help them to have kingdom businesses, to be able to put together a business and be able to use those funds to advance the kingdom. Leadership development, same thing, going around the world, sharing that. And then there's a groundbreaking Bible translation project in Nepal. You hear me talk about this uh, in bits and pieces. We're going to share a little bit more about that about how incredible that is. All right, second of all, that was our evangelism, but then there was compassionate justice. And as I stood before you, I said, these are some things that we want to do. We want to look at feeding programs, homeless ministries, job skill training. And we've been able to work in feeding programs and do this not just in Birmingham, but to also to do this in South Africa, Lebanon, and Haiti. Homeless ministries right here with our urban purpose, working with them, Jimmy Hale Mission, the foundry, Brother Brian, job skill training. We do job skill training through Empower, Foundry, and in South Africa, working through their ministries. A clean water projects in India. We made a three-year agreement with the villages of a section in Northeast India to go in and to build and install water filters so they would have clean water in that area. AIDS ministry, working with AIDS ministry in South Africa, in Cape Town. Human trafficking. Human trafficking really came onto our radar. And we found out that we were able to work in India with Freeset in dealing with this terrible uh, tragedy of human trafficking. Then we had a group that went to Moldova working with Turlac Ministries. And then we're working even here in Birmingham with the Well House that deals with us type of, of things with human trafficking. Prison ministry, reentry and restoration. The percentages of, of men and women who get out of prison and go back in are just astronomical. So there's a ministry called The Village here in Birmingham that's trying to help people to get a new start so they don't get back into old habits and back into jail. We've worked with them. Orphanages and orphan care really began to expand. As we've gone to Zambia working with Luyando, we're in Peru working with Not Forgotten. We're right here in Birmingham working with Lifeline and with the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. And then last of all is disaster relief. You think about disaster relief, and we work with the Christian Service Mission here in Birmingham, but we've also gone and done disaster relief in Nepal and also Lebanon and Jordan. So compassionate justice. Touch the World 2015 had two pillars, evangelism, compassionate justice. We're sharing God's message, and we're going out meeting needs of people, and every time we meet those needs, we also share the gospel. And we tried to identify just... A, a few partners, but we covered five continents, specifically 20 partners, and some of that grew that we were going to put our focus on. So that's what was shared with you. And I stood before you here challenging you as a congregation and me as a pastor for us to lead forward in this and really touch our world for Christ. So how did you respond? Well, let me tell you what your response was. Well, your response was incredible ongoing. Over the five years, we had 171 mission projects that went out from Shades Mountain Baptist, half North America and half uh, international. When it says individual projects, 126, that would mean that it was not a Shades project, but it was another team, maybe from another church or another organization. And some of you as members said, I've heard about that, I'm joining with them. That's 126. So total projects, almost 300 mission projects in five years that our people, you, got involved in and went out 
and made a difference. But let me tell you what, break that down a little bit further. The total number of people going in all of that was 6,000 people. So in five years, we had 6,000 people from our church going out, being on mission, being able to take the glorious message of Christ. Now you see the plus 750. What I did was I looked at 2005 to 2010, that five-year mark. And in the five years previous to this, we had about 5250 that went out on missions. So we had a 15% increase in the number of people that are going out on mission. Now see, that is exciting. Because it's not like you had a little bit of a missions emphasis with this 2010 vision, and then we said, let's get over it. What we did was you said, that's a part of our DNA, and let's increase it. And so even more people, you sitting out here in, in the pews, were the ones that went out and made a difference in going. So we... In 2015, Touch World 2015 is both the going, but there's also a giving response. And your giving response over five years has just been record-setting. We have given to missions in five years $13,182,000 that has gone to missions. That's over and above our budget. That's just gone outside the walls of our church to missions. The percent of total giving increase from 19.6 to 24.6 means absolutely nothing to you until I explain it to you, doesn't it? Because what this means is that from 2005 to 2010, 19.6% of everything that came into our church went out on missions. And we were excited about that. And my goal was to get us to 20%. But look how you have responded. These past five years, you have in turn given an average of 24.6%. We increased 25%. You've increased to that point to where you said, we feel so Um, convicted about missions and about reaching our world for Christ. That's where our heart is. That's where our treasure will be. And so again, about 25 cents of every dollar that comes in here goes out. And that was our average for the five years of Touch the World 2015. That is incredible. Now listen, our goal was to touch the world. Our goal was to go out and to uh, touch as many people as we could in those five years. And in those five years, we did ministry in 17 states in the United States, and we did ministry in 63 countries around the world. I'm going to show you a short video. It's got the world on it. And as you watch the world, I want you to see all the countries that come up, because every one of those countries is where Shades has been and has ministered in these last five years. That is a bunch. Now... Hey, that's just a golf applause. Get ready for this. We're going to show you a picture of, let's just look at the world as a whole and take one quick shot and see how Shades Mountain helped try to light up the world. David, this is us. That's where we went in five years. Let's give a big hand for all the things that happened. In five years... In five years, that's what we did. David, I want you to leave that back up there. I want you to keep that, uh, go back to that, uh, that slide there. It took you so long to put it together. I want to leave it up there for just a minute, all right? Um, right here. I want you to see all that that's lit up. It's the United States plus 63 countries that Shades people went. 6,000 people went out on mission and went out. And in five years, were able to do this much of touching the world. This is not staff and full-time missionaries. Now, we're blessed. 
full-time missionaries. We've got 38 missionary units and 141 people that have been on the field for those, those five years. 38 from out of our church. Uh, 38 units, 141 people. But if you look up there and you see all of this, not, over 95% of that is because of lay people that have gone out and done that. And this is what we need to keep driving home and for you to keep remembering that when we share these things about what we're trying to do with Shades Mountain Baptist Church, it's not your staff that's doing this. It's not like the people that you pay to do this. This is you. You are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And, and it says in, uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 15, when uh, he's quoting Isaiah, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Hey, Shades Mountain, there's a lot of beautiful feet out here, Okay. You got a lot of beautiful feet because you're the ones that are going out. You're the ones that are making the commitment of your finances and of your time and saying, you know what? My heart's in it. Let's go. Let's go touch the world 2015. So I just, I want to thank you for that and for going out and for doing that. But you see, not only do we need to be appreciative for what we've done, but again, we need to follow biblical precedent. And that is that we need to give glory to God. Because his word says, he says, my word will never return void or empty. Which means that all these places that we've gone and we've planted the seeds of God's word, it will not return void and will not return empty. And to know that we've taken a gospel message into 63 different countries, that's pretty exciting stuff. Now, Acts 11, verse 18. Peter went into the home of a Gentile, a man by the name of Cornelius, and Cornelius accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit fell on him and all of those there. And it opened Peter's eyes and he says, oh my goodness, this gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for those who are also the Gentiles. And he went back and he met, and as he met with the leaders there in the church, this is what he said. And when they heard these things, they fell silent. They fell silent. He shared the gospel He's gone to the Gentiles. And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I shared that passage of scripture when the apostle Paul, when he came and he spoke to the church in Jerusalem, look what he said. After he told them all the things he had done, this was their response. And when they heard it, they glorified God. We're going to take a moment and we're going to praise God for this. Bill Perkins, Bill, where are you? Bill Perkins. Hey, Bill, come on up. I want Bill Perkins to come up over here. Bill served with our International Mission Board. He has served in both Argentina and also in India. And uh, Bill has, is just is a picture of someone who has a heart for the world. And Bill, I'd love for you to just step right over here. And if you would, you give a prayer of uh, thanksgiving and glory to God. And uh, let's pray for these 63 countries and the gospel presence that's been there for them. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, along with the people in Acts, we just stand before you in silence now in just awe of all that you have done. Father, your mercy and your grace uh, is more than we deserve. And Lord, you've shown this throughout the world uh, in your love through Jesus Christ. Lord, your wisdom as you work through this church to take the gospel uh, around the world to these people that they may know you. Father, we just praise you and we give glory and honor to you because we know that nothing of uh, none of these things could have been done without you and that this is your work. And because of you, it has it has been accomplished, Father. And we just uh, are in awe and amazed that you have uh, even asked us to participate with you in this work, Lord. 
that you uh, even give us this possibility. And, Father, that you are our strength. You are the one that empowers us and enables us to do this. And, Father, we pray that you would continue to produce fruit through these uh, men and women that are working in all of these countries. Father, many of them in, in dangerous situations, we pray for their safety. We pray that you would watch over them, watch over their family, their children. And, Father, we pray that your grace and your, your love and your power would continue to flow through them as they take the gospel to these people. Father, for every person that has come to know Christ, every, every woman, every child that has been delivered from human trafficking has been done because of you, Lord, and we praise you for that. Father, we just, uh, again, just thank you that you've allowed us to, to participate in that. Father, help us not to become complacent, Help us not to become satisfied, but to continue to reach out. And Father, we just lift up our our future plans to you, that the gospel would continue to spread through us, Lord, right here in Birmingham, that you would give us a hunger for you and a desire to share the gospel in our workplace, in our schools, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, that it would just be... uh, something that flows from our lives, that we would unashamedly share the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And we want to continue to be a part. Lord, complete your work in us. Establish the work of our hands. Father, we lift up uh, the future. In the coming years, uh, today and tomorrow, we lift that up to you, that you would use us for your glory. Because, Father, we this is for your glory, for your name. And so that when people see our works, that they would see you, that they would be drawn to you, Lord, and that their hearts would would be uh, drawn to Jesus. Father, we pray and we give you glory for you are the God that can do incredibly more than we could ever ask or imagine as your power works in us. To you, Father, we give the glory forever and ever in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bill. Bill mentioned in his prayer that we're just thankful God gave us the opportunity to be able to be a part of this type of work. And so that was Touch the World 2015, and we closed that out. So that's the celebration. But then there's the continuation. And the continuation is our chapters program. And chapters started uh, two years ago, and it's a three-year program. And so let me just tell you a little bit about our continuation on there. Again, a couple years ago, we stood before you and we shared what our chapters was. And it's talking about turn the page for the next great thing that our church is going to do. And it broke down just like this. It was a program that was $7.5 million. million was debt elimination, 3.5 million facility improvement, and then we took 20% of everything that came in, it would go to mission advancement, which is $1.5 million. So if you gave $100, then as you gave $100, $47 would go towards facility improvement, $33 would go to debt elimination, and then 20 of it would set aside to go mission advancement to work with about 10 mission partners that we had identified. Seven and a half million was our goal. The great news is, right before we started this program, we had reduced our debt to 2.2 million. So it went down 300,000. So our goal, 7,200,000. So far, these two years, what we've given is $5,400,000, which leaves a remainder of 1,800,000. It's a three-year program. We're 75% towards our goal. And so this year is when we 
finish it. So we continue with our chapters giving and we want to continue that giving. So those who've got the commitments, we want you to continue on. And those who may get excited about this, you can add on and you can give towards it. Let me tell you where we've come. Our debt reduction, our goal is to eliminate debt. Guess where we are? Right now, we're at just $830,000 in debt. Two years ago, by the time we put all our facility improvements together, it was about $5.5 million. And in two years, with gifts to chapters and with uh, budget uh, overages, we've got it all the way down to 830000 Our goal is that when I stand before you next year, we will be zero. We'll have no debt. So we'll be completely debt-free and be eliminating that. That's part of what we want. Mission advancement. Let me tell you the mission advancement. In two years, we've given over a million dollars that have gone towards mission advancement. And just so you can understand, this is not just money going into some big pot. This is going to specific needs. Uh, let me just remind you of some of the programs that we have. First of all, we've got Jay Watson and Life Community Church. We provided the majority of our money to go to try to help them in building this build out this section. And when they started this, they had 40 families in their church. Since they've completed the the construction, they have 100 families in their church. They have more than doubled because they're in this new facility. And we praise God for that. We also put some money aside for Lydia, who is their uh, children's minister, and she's hitting a home run there. So as you give the chapters, you're helping provide her salary to do the work with children's work. Our 18 ministries that uh, work with children with PD cancer, we provide an apartment in Homewood so that when families from out of town come and their children have to come for, for treatment, they have a place where they can live, a nice apartment where they can live and not have to travel back and forth from being out of town. We made a commitment for three years to do that. We have one more year towards that commitment. Also, urban purpose. You know, when you think about urban purpose, you think about Jim and Mark, a couple of goodens, and uh, they said, we really need someone that's got some sense, so they need to get a woman. Uh, to work with them. And actually what drove all this was the homeless population. They said there are more and more women that are homeless. And for us, we really can't relate to them as well. So they need to bring someone on their staff. Rachel Coleman has come on and she's just hitting a home run over there. And so we told them for the first three years, we'd be supporting her salary until uh, their donations can come up to that level to where they can handle it. And so we have that additional year with her. The Azores, that's the camp with Art Nielsen, the children's camp. Uh, this picture is of the uh, fifth cabin. They have four cabins that are built. This is the fifth cabin that's being constructed on there with their children's camp. The next slide uh, will show you this building is the most important building. It's when they have a retreat. This is where the cook stays. So uh, the cook and the retreat speakers will stay in uh, in this house. And all of that is chapters money that put that together. And then also the last thing is this is their kitchen build out. This is the dining hall that they have. And all of this is, is being completed. And the majority of this is through the money that you have given with chapters. And in June of this year, they're going to cut the ribbon and everything will be complete. And so that will be a great, uh, a great time. Also, uh, we still work with uh, the heart of Lebanon, with the Syrian refugees. And we're sending, we send money for three things, for money, for medical supplies and educational supplies to help all the Syrian refugees that are porting there in Lebanon. We've got an amazing ministry that we're working through that is, uh, that is hitting a huge lick right there. And then also Living Hope. We talked about uh, them in uh, South Africa, Cape Town. This is their Agra training building uh, in September. 
uh, I came back from that and showed you a picture and update, and all it was was just a uh, kind of a foundation laid. Walls are going up, and the next slide will show you they got the trusses that are getting ready to go up. And by the end of spring, that building will be complete. We're the ones who are providing the vast majority of funds to make that happen. And last of all, is we have money set aside for church planting, and we've got uh, we've covered all the boroughs in New York City, and we talked about how we did some special things for for each one of these. And so as you continue to give your funds, uh, we have this mission advancement money. We're able to help support these church planters uh, that are there in New York City and especially in those particular boroughs. So seeing all this challenge that we have ahead of us, what are we to do? Well, again, let's look at what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul came to the church in Corinth and they were taking up an offering for those in Jerusalem. And this is the way he phrased it. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago is getting ready to come and collect the offering. A year ago, you started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. You had a great desire. This wasn't something we pressed on you. You said, I see the need. I want to help this. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Hey, it's one thing to desire it. It's another thing to finish the task. And so this year, I want to strongly encourage you to finish the task. There's a football game tomorrow, a national championship game between Clemson and the University of Alabama. Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, they are preaching the same message to their players, and it is one word, and it is finish. And they're telling them over and over again, let's finish. Hey, I'm telling you the same thing in 2016. Church, let's just finish this. Let's finish. Do the things that we've committed to do. Others that are new to this church say, hey, I'd like to give a little bit over and above the budget. Everything goes to chapters. It will eliminate our debt. We have no more construction. All the construction's complete. Everything you give, 80% eliminates debt. 20% goes to mission advancement. Then you look at me and you say, well, what happens if, if we give so much that we completely eliminate the debt? Then 100% of everything you give will go towards mission advancement. So it's all set. We're just ready to finish the task. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Now, you put these, put these two together and um, you have uh, Touch the World 2015 and you've got our, our chapters. And I don't have time to just explain all this. I just want to give you one story of how this interconnects. When we were praying through this Touch the World 2015, I got with Jeremy Grime, our missions minister, and, and, and I said, we need to do something with Bible translation. And we sat down and we interviewed different companies. And then we got something that came across uh, our desk from the International Mission Board. And it says, we have an idea uh, for Nepal to do what is called a comprehensive Bible translation. Now, what they mean by comprehensive Bible translation is that we're looking for partners that will start at the very beginning and support it all the way to the very end. Now, I just want to be real straight with you. Most churches, when you look for Bible translations, you're looking for the cherry picking. What that means is you're looking for those who've already done all the hard work and are getting right to the point to where they're getting a gospel of John or whatever, so that you can give some money and then hold up a book and say, look, we are a part of this. And that's fine. And that's what I wanted. I wanted today. I wanted to be able to hold up a Bible that's been translated because of what, what you've given. And uh, I'm goal-oriented, thought that would work out great. And I had these wonderful pictures of that. But the more we began to read about this plan, they said, 
we need a church that's willing to give money during the times where you really don't see the results. And that is, you give money, we training translators, we have to develop dictionaries for their languages. We began to take oral stories and we began to learn their language and figure out the best way to translate scripture to match with the way. And he says, all this is going to take maybe three years and then we start jumping into the translation part and it'll be a while before you see the end result. We just felt led of God to do that for Nepal. Nepal's never been on my radar, okay? However, I did think that Kathmandu was the coolest sounding name of any city in all the world. But, but Nepal, of all things, we said, okay. So what we did, and you agreed as a church, is that every year we send $50,000 to translation ministry there in Nepal. And we're committed for at least nine, maybe 10 years. I'll be almost $500,000 over 10 years. And so we've already about three years into this, and guess what? They've done the dictionaries, and they've got that. They've trained the translators, and we just got word that they just started in the fall of bringing 25 translators representing six languages, and they are beginning to do work on the book of Luke. Now, what they've done in the past is they have done some storying. And they've told some stories and translated stories from creation all the way through resurrection. And they've put them in some small little pamphlets. And they've already seen decisions for Christ. And if you remember earlier this past year, later, uh, earlier this past year, there was an earthquake in Nepal around Kathmandu. And uh, the people that went in to do relief work were able to use some of the translations material that we paid for. And they began to see people come to know Christ as Savior. God knew the earthquake was going to happen. We didn't know. But he already had translation material in order to give them so people could come to know who Christ is. In two years, they say we will have the book of Luke will be completely translated and the Jesus film. So they can take that through Nepal, show the Jesus film, and see decisions made. So my hope is that two years from now, I will stand up and I will hold that for you. But I'm thankful for we as a church. We just weren't going for the easy pickings. We said, we're going to get down dirty with you and we're going to do all of this. And we're the first church that's ever done this. And we're hopefully we're setting a standard so other churches will see the importance of doing this. And we're seeing that happen in Nepal. Nepal. Of all places, Nepal. And then guess what? Nathan Carroll, one of our church members, says, I believe God's called me to missions. And guess where God called him? Nepal. Of all places. And while we went over to Nepal to talk to them about how to do this, um, uh, to learn more about the translation process, there was a missionary family from the International Mission Board that we got to meet and befriend. And in talking to them, they say, guess what? We think that when we do the church planting, we can use these translation materials. This will be perfect. And guess what? Nathan Carroll is going to go work for that particular person. And then it was like a year ago, I'm sitting in a North American Mission Board uh, trustee meeting in Boston, and the guy sits behind me. I bump into him. I turn around. He introduces himself. And where do you think he's from? Nepal. He's a church planner in Boston, in Nepal. So now we're starting to do a little work with him. And then we go to New York City, and I'm asking them, I said, we want to take each one of the boroughs. So who is there in Queens that we can work with? And they gave me a guy who is from where? No, from Birmingham. No, yeah, Nepal. Yeah, a guy from Nepal. And then to get this, not only is a guy from Nepal, but it's a guy who he and his wife could not have children and they adopted a child. Sounds familiar? 
And then that child who's now 16 years old is stuck in Nepal and in India between those two countries while he and his wife are here in the United States and they can't find a way to get him over here. And so because of your chapters giving, we're able to take some funds to help them through this process. And I, I contacted him last night to say, what, what's going on with this? And he says, oh, we got all this paperwork we're trying to deal with. He says, but, but my wife and I, starting January 4th, are praying and fasting for 21 days that God can cut through all the paperwork hassles and get our son here to live here. And so I want to encourage us to pray for them. His name is A-T-O, Atto. That's the son's name. And just pray that, that God would break through all these barriers and get him reunited with his family. And we're going to be working with them. And we're going to help plant churches in Queens for Nepalese people. You see how this is amazing, how it just is tying together? Well, all of this is great stuff. And this is how I want to close. And that is with preparation. And that is preparation. And that means to get closer to God. In Bill's prayer, he said, Lord, don't let us get complacent. And that's my challenge to you. We can't get complacent. This is some great stuff that we're doing. But God has got so much more. We're in the process of working with a company called Oxano who's helping us to get even a better grasp on on putting together what we feel is God's vision for our next great step at our church. And I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. And so this is like a year of preparation because it's not a matter of you as church members just sitting back in your pews waiting for us to all of a sudden unveil something and you go, oh, that sounds good. No. Whatever it is that will be coming out will be something that is so God-sized that it will take the people of God to take a step of faith to be willing to do it. And I don't need you in neutral, and I don't need me in neutral. I need all of us to be prayed up, living for Christ, saying, God, this this is what we want to do. And we feel like we're ready to tackle this. My mind was drawn to the transfiguration in Mark chapter 9. If you got your Bibles, you can turn it real quick. In Mark chapter 9, it's a time where Jesus took three of his disciples, his inner three, and he took them up on a mountain. As he took them up on a mountain, it says, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. He led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And what happened is that it was like the inner glory of God that Jesus had in the incarnation that inner glory was still there and while he stood on this mountain that just radiated out of him and then not only did that radiate but then it said there was Moses and there was Elijah Moses representing the law Elijah representing the prophets and these three are standing there and there's Peter James and John looking at this and then it's so great I'm just so thankful that that God doesn't record everything that we say in scripture for everyone to read because in verse 5 it says and Peter said to Jesus rabbi it is good that we're here let us make three tents one for you one for Moses one for Elijah in verse 6 for he did not know what to say for they were terrified he did not know what to say but it didn't stop him from talking did it (laughs) can we relate to that hey I don't know what to say but hey I'm going to say this Mm, probably shouldn't have said that And and so he says, hey, tell you what, let's just stay up here. Let's just build a a tent for Elijah and a a tent uh, over here for uh, Isaiah. And let's build a tent over over here for Jesus. And man, let's just hang out. Let's just stay right here. Well, God sort of interrupted him. And he came and said in verse 7, a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And so he's confirming, he says, this is my son. He's different than anything you thought about. He breaks every kind of theological question known to man. He's not just some man sent from God. He is sent from God. He is God himself. He is God. And so this sets him apart from everyone. And you need to listen to what he says. You need to obey him. You obey him. And you know the first words that Jesus said to them? Let's go down the mountain. Because in verse 9 it says, and as they were coming down the mountain... So they went down the mountain. Jesus did not say, let's stay right here. And Jesus is here today. If we could call him up to speak and he'd say, man, the grass that you've shown are incredible. What you've been given and what you've been going, that's really good shades of mountain. But don't stay here. Let's go down the mountain and let's go down in the valley where life is. Now I want you to think about Peter, James, and John. You have just been up in the mountain there's Elijah, oh my goodness, there's Moses, and there is Jesus, and I've got this incredible experience, and Jesus told them, don't tell anybody about it till after my resurrection. And then they come walking down the mountain, and look what they run into. Verse 14, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw them, were greatly amazed. They ran up to him, they greeted him, and they asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd says, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Jesus said, Oh, you faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring the boy to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to you? And he says, From childhood. And it's been often, it's cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if, 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 if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, What did they just get thrown into? We had this incredible experience up on the mountain. Now we walk down and everybody's arguing and the scribes are fighting with the disciples and the villagers. Everybody is arguing and the dad's over here and he's upset. He's got a son who's got violent, life-threatening seizures that are happening because of an evil spirit in him. And the disciples, they said, we're going to cast him out, but something's not working. We're not casting him out. And everyone's arguing. And then they're listening to this son, to this father, talk about how difficult his son's life is and how horrible that is and what all is happening. And then he's coming to the king of kings, the son of God, and he says, if you can. He's even doubting the power of God. And all of this is going on. What would you want to do if you were one of the three? I'll tell you what I would have wanted to do. Go back up the mountain. Let's go back up the mountain. You know, I think that tent idea was a pretty good idea. And wouldn't it be nice just to hang around with Moses and and Isaiah, or I mean Elijah, excuse me, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and let's just do that. But see, Jesus knew what was going on in the valley. He says, guys, we got to leave the mountain, get down into the valley. Just get into life itself. And Shades, this is us. This is our call, is We celebrate here, but then we get back into life. Life is dirty, it's muddy, it's disappointing, it's pressurized. There's a lot of hurts, there's a lot of questions that seem unanswered. And God says, 
this is where you excel. This is where the gospel needs to be. And you know what Jesus did? He said, bring the boy to me. And he's told him, he says, it's not a matter of if I can. It matters, do you believe? And he says, oh, help me in my unbelief. And he took the boy and he cast out that demon. And they thought he had died, but then all of a sudden he lifted him up and he was restored to full health. Because see, what happened was the gospel got into a muddy situation and all of a sudden when it got into the muddy situation, it solved it. And it made things better. It made things right. It brought light to a dark situation. And when that happened, all of a sudden, everyone out there, yeah, they're just rejoicing. Everybody out there is rejoicing except for who? Who is questioning right now? Who feels bad right now? Anybody know? What do you think? Who do you think in this story? The disciples? What do you think disciples feel like? They brought them to them and they said, we want you to cast out this demon. This is Mark chapter 9. If you go back three chapters, Mark chapter 6, Jesus sent every one of these guys out. And when he sent them out, when they came back, guess what they said? We were able to cast out demons. We were able to heal the sick. They'd done this before. This wasn't something new. Okay? This is not like they were asked to do something. They said, you know, we've not done that much in our training yet. We're not at that demon casting out part. No, they'd already done it. But then all of a sudden they bring these to him and they bring these to these disciples and it says plural. So it's like each one of them is checking and none of them, none of them, none of them, none of them can cast this demon out. You don't think they're embarrassed by that? If you look closely in the scripture, what it says, is it says in verse 28, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him, what does your scripture say? Privately. <laughs> you know that was not the time right after, the, after he was healed to raise their hands. Hey, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? No. That's when you get into the house privately and you sit down and you're kind of waiting for that right moment and kind of letting everything settle down and one of the guys has got to ask the question, Jesus, so why couldn't we do that? We've done this before. Why, why couldn't we do that? Jesus' response was, well, demons are harder today than they've ever been. Nah, he didn't give him that, did he? He said, well, there's an upgrade in demon casting out. You must not have downloaded that in your app on your phone. That's what you need. You know what he said to him? Verse 29, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some translations have prayer and fasting. So what he's saying is, guys, you have lost your contact with God. You have been given the authority to be able to cast out these demons. Jesus saying, I gave you that, but you've got to get the power of God to maintain that. And what you think is because you've had some victories in the past that you don't really need to stay, keep that connection with God and everything will be fine and you're going to be able to keep on going and keep doing those great things you've been doing in the past. And he says, no, not at all. He says, this only comes out by prayer. And he's not talking about just a ritualistic act of saying every day I'll spend maybe a couple moments in prayer. He's talking about sincere prayer. And what sincere prayer means when you have a dependence on God to where you know that every day you cannot make it through that day unless you have the power of God. 
And so you start your day with him, you continue your day with him, and you close your day with him. And you say, God, I want to live a life in such a way that it is just totally dependent on you. And I know that's who I am. I cannot overcome temptation in my own power. I cannot make the right decisions to take the next step without your guidance and your direction. I cannot treat my wife or my husband as I should without your power. I cannot parent my kids effectively without your power. I cannot overcome the temptations at school and the peer pressure without your power. And so what it means is there's a dependence on God. And Jesus says, hey, these only come out by prayer. So how that relates to us is that as we move towards 2017, church, I want to challenge every one of us to get closer to God, okay? And these are three things. I just want you to write these down. It's the last three things. I'm going to pray, and we're going to continue on. Number one, challenge for this week is get closer to God, pray. You just set it out. You set it out and say, I'm going to start spending time. I want to get closer to God. You're not praying because it's a ritualistic thing to do. You're praying because you want to get closer to God. Number one. Number two, I want to ask you to pray for God's vision for shades. We are right in the midst of this. Uh, The company that's working with us does not have vision in a box that they're going to open it up and say, this is what you do. No, no, no. This is what we're praying, praying for God to lead us. You've made some inputs into it, which is great. And we're just praying, God, direct us, guide us. What's that next great thing that you want for us? So just pray for that. Pray for God's vision for shades. And then last of all, I'd like you to do this. Pray that you will be prepared to be used by God. Pray that you will be prepared to be used by God by God. This is a year of preparation. And as you pray and say, God, I want my heart to be ready. I want everything in my life to be ready because I'm ready to go full throttle for you. I want to be prepared for what it is you have for me. And guess what? As you're praying that your life will be prepared for what we do in 2017, you know what's going to happen? God's going to be preparing you for what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And you're going to have so many opportunities to live for him that will take us right up to 2017. It will just be a time of victory, of sharing. This is what God has done through my life, and I praise him for that. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We just thank you that you're such a good God. And, Lord, you are so kind to give us the opportunities to serve you and to be your hands and feet and to take the gospel to so many places. We never take that for granted. And Lord, we don't give the credit to Sky Miles or vision planning or anything else, Lord. We give the credit to you because you have given those open doors of ministry and then give us that opportunity to step through those. We thank you for that. And so, Father, as we close this service today, we close in thanksgiving for what you've done in the past, but with anticipation as we prepare for the future. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.